Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Paul Tabruzzo and Josh Arnett to talk about Josh's journey and how he recently quit the corporate world. So Josh and Paul are long-term, uh, long-time buddies, and Josh was kind of motivated, I think, by seeing some of the stuff Paul had done and wanted to leave the corporate world. So with Paul's help, he crafted out himself a plan, moved his family home and set up some rental income with that, decided to pick up some properties and create some cash flow from real estate investing, then got his real estate license and is now working alongside with Paul and doing some great things. The feedback that we're getting here at Rockstar already from some of the clients that, and investors that Josh is working with is incredible. So this is his story on how he recently decided to leave the corporate world and how he mapped out a plan to do so and has ultimately done it and now on to bigger and better things. So um, with that, we will get started with this episode. If you're listening to this and you want to go down the similar path that Josh went down, you can learn how we're working with investors here at Rockstar by coming out to the next free introductory real estate training class that we put on here. You can get yourself a, a spot for that. It's over Zoom at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. So if you want to learn how we're working with people to help them build a portfolio, create some revenue streams with real estate, what strategies to use in this market, you can find out everything we're doing by coming out to the next free introductory real estate training class by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. So that's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. Both Nick and I are there. We stick around at the end of that. It's about a 60 minute class or so over Zoom and we answer all questions that come our way live. So if you have anything top of mind that you want to ask us, you can put it in there and we will tackle them. That's at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's it for this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Paul DeBruzzo. I don't know. Am I saying it right this time? Yes. I'm the. Wor- I'm just going to tell everyone, when you come in here and tell me your last name, I'm going to screw it up. That's going to be the new rule in here, okay? So, Paul DeBruzzo. Okay, Carazza. Caraja. Caraja. Canadian way is Carazza. The proper way is Caraja. The D and the Z just say, uh, just pretend it's a J. So, it's Caraja. Just call him And then Paul John. E. That's what we call him. That's what you called him growing up? Yeah, Paul E.D. How long did you guys know each other? 18. 10. Uh, yeah. Something like that. 10? You said 10, you said 18. Oh, 18 years old. 18 years old is when you yeah, met each other. We've come a long way. 18? Oh, I thought you guys knew each other even even younger. No, no. And we, Josh Arnett. Am I saying Arnett properly? Correct. Holy yeah, shit, correct. it's a miracle. Yeah. Okay. So since you were 18. Well, we've come a long way. I mean, we used to do mustard shots, eat raw potatoes. Paul used to like pulling out trees out of the ground. So, you know, now we're two guys sitting in a real estate office. What are mustard shots? <laughs> is that something I should know that I don't know? So we have uh, a lot of mustard in your mouth. <laughs> we have a mutual friend. Uh, who I, I don't even know where it came from, but it has to be French's mustard. And uh, he started this thing where, you know, if you're drinking, all of a sudden you got to fill your mouth full of French's mustard and swallow it. Don't know where it came from. Don't know why it stuck, but it ended typical up. Typical guy thing, a yeah, yeah. intelligent thing to come up at, with. At my wedding, it ended up being a thing too. So we all had to do it. And yeah, it just stuck over the years. Although we haven't done one in a while since no kids more. came around, but. No more, please. <laughs> so you guys met each other then at the end of high school? Is that how? Yeah. Yeah. Like we were going into college time. You seem very different people. How, how did. Yeah, Paul's a little bit more angrier than I am. Uh, is he still, you know, but is he still as angry as he used to be? Yeah, I mean, different things. 
Yeah. Like I said, he used he to like to you, pull. He's looking at you right now. He's like pretty angry right now. <laughs> he used to like to pull trees out of the ground when we were partying back in Which the part of Toronto was this? We both grew up in North York. So actually. in North York. Yeah. What was the name of the high school? Well, I went to high school in Maple. Coming to the mic. Coming I went to high school in Maple, St. Joan of Arc. But oh, you were in Maple, St. Joan of Arc. I know that high school. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. People know that place. Okay. I, I grew up Bayview and Finch area. Uh, so then Paul so, moved to your high school. No, no. It's just after high school. So I went to Earl Hague Secondary School. I moved uh, in with my grandparents after, uh, after high school. Got yeah, it. And then we had mutual friends. That's how we met. You know, Paul was going to Seneca for, for fire college. Uh, we had another buddy going there and then that's how we met, started hanging out and been friends ever since pretty much. And then, so you followed Paul's journey and you've been in the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, you know, 15, 17 years in the corporate world, uh, you know, primarily commodity chemical manufacturing. There's a short stint there for about two years where I actually did phase one, phase two, phase three environmental assessments. So now I kind of come full circle because, you know, that obviously happens yeah. with some of the commercial units we buy now. Um, but yeah, 15 years in the commodity world. So, you know, I don't really look at it as it's any different. Real estate is a commodity, right? Uh, and I was just in commodity chemicals, you know, the, and what was your role there? Uh, I actually started out in a technical role. So my background, you know, from schooling, I took an earth and atmospheric science, did a master's in basically water engineering. Uh, and you know, somehow I ended up in the chemical manufacturing industry, starting out in technical sales roles and then worked my way up, uh, to business director, uh, throughout the what, years. What so. is a master's in, did you say water engineering? Yeah, you, you wouldn't, it's That's basically fluid dynamics. So the stresses of water on structures and you know, oh, stuff like it. that, they kind of like nerd math stuff, but, uh, and you just, I just love that stuff? No, not at all. Oh, you're just good at math? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was one of those kids grew up in high school being good at sports, pretty much, you know, any sport I could excel at and, you know, graduated and have a clue what I wanted to do. And I knew I was good at math. Uh, so I went into actually civil engineering to start, did two years in civil engineering. Uh, it was a transfer program between Seneca and York. Huh. And uh, ended up opting out after because it wasn't really my thing. I was good at it, but it was boring. Is that as that hell. building on the York University yeah, campus? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I opted out, and uh, I was good at it. My grades were good, but I just found it terribly boring. I, I felt so. How did you get to the master's program then? So no, what happened was I switched over to Earth and Atmospheric Science. Did, finished off my four-year undergrad degree there, and then I uh, did my two-year Master of Science, but it's through the Department of Engineering as well. So wow. And then what was the plan like with that degree? Like what were you going to do? Well, if you want a good laugh, I literally finished. Uh, uh, my master's uh, and I went, Paul's laughing. He's just looking. I, I went to, I went to work for pension environmental and no joke was digging bloody holes with a shovel, analyzing soil samples and water samples and shit like that. Yeah. And I guess that would make sense. I That's was just the, like, you know what? You want to talk about a humbling experience coming out of university with a master's of science and, you know, graduating with good grades. And then, you know, some guy hands you a shovel and says, you know, go in this field and collect 400 samples. Honest dirt. work, Josh. It's you honest know, work. Put, put them in literally a Ziploc bag and take them over to Mississippi to be analyzed. The lab? I was like, holy shit, what am I getting myself into? Did it pay well at least? <laughs> no. <Did it> <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember... Uh, were, the, were the hours good? I remember it was $38,000 to this day. I'll still never forget it. And I, I remember sitting there on day one. I was like, well, how do I get to 50? And the guy was like, well, you got to put up your hand and take 
take on more work. And I was like, okay. So I think I made 52,000 that year by just putting my hand up and we're getting overtime yeah, or something. Yeah, overtime, you know, taking every project more, I could put more, my hand more up. More holes to dig? Yeah, more holes to dig. Oh yeah. You kind of mastered yeah, yeah. dug dirt. Yeah, yeah, so that didn't last too long. <laughs> you dug holes. Uh, Did you refill the holes after you would dig them? No, they sometimes, yeah, usually refill them or sometimes they put a well down in them and this you take water samples. This is not a great samples. commercial for a master's no, no. degree. It's not a great hey, commercial for what, anybody. What did getting, you do? But, I took a master's degree, then I dig holes and then I take a sample from the hole and yeah, then I fill yeah. the hole back up with the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes put a well in and take some water samples. Good for you. That's I, honestly, I could never do that. You know what? It's just no, but you know what? It, it was a humbling experience. Uh, you know, my parents have always tried to keep me pretty grounded in, in being humble. Um, and in my family, it's all about hard work. You know, my grandparents came here as immigrants uh, from Scotland and, and Yugoslavia. So, you know, hard work is all I, I ever knew. Yugoslavia is always cue for Serbia. Yeah, yeah. Well, my grandfather, he came before a lot of the splits. So, right. Yeah, he used got to it. just refer to it as Yugoslavia. But, uh, you know, he said to me one thing, Josh, doesn't matter how smart you are. You just always got to work hard. Right. Huh. Um, so, you know, I've just. Why did that mean so much to you? I think he just, every time I went to see him, he said to me two things always, Josh, don't smoke and work hard. That's that was the advice. He, you know, that's all he say to me all the time. Why, why don't I smoke? Don't, that was the, he know. comes from the smoking era. I know. I know. It didn't really make much sense. And then <laughs> I'm pretty sure he smoked in his era and drank a lot of scotch and things like that. But, uh, you know, yeah, I just, it always stuck in my head. So still to this day, honestly, I've actually never had a cigarette. It, it stuck in my head. I'm one of those people. I'm never, never, never had a oh puff off a cigarette. Well, Other things, but <laughs> for you. Yeah, my, yeah. Fa my father, uh, drank, uh, what did he smoke? Uh, for just, he didn't really smoke, but on the job site, if everyone was smoking, he would have blue Rothmans. Do they still, I don't even know if they still have Rothman no, cigarettes, those blue Rothmans. Yeah. Um, and he would keep them in the truck and yeah, yeah, it was always, yeah. so I went through a bit of an era where I was smoking, like at the end of university, we'd all go to Mexico. Everyone's drinking at the bars and clubs. And I started smoking just because everybody was smoking and everyone's like, Hey, you're going to turn into a smoker. And I just hated it. it disgusted me. Yeah. And I never did. It, honestly, because of that, even growing up, even the smell of it made me gross. gross. But imagine like you're five years old all the way up until you're, I think my grandfather died when I was like 18. Like every day, that's all I heard. When you said your starting salary, I got a flashback to my starting salary after university. When I realized my psychology degree was, I had a, a major in psych and a minor in sociology. My best mark in all of university was an A plus on Karl Marx. There you go. <laughs> I got an A plus on, the Carl, on essay on Karl Marx. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I, I graduated realizing like I have no skills and I had to go to this other school. I went to like a post-grad school that cost, I think it was like $13,600 that I didn't have to teach me IT skills. That's where I learned about like Oracle and Visual Basic. And it was when websites were coming out, they taught you HTML and stuff. I got this starting job at Royal Bank and they were making a big deal of it because I got hired before finishing the program even. And uh, Royal Bank was giving me four hundred dollars a month to just finish the program like they were that this was the end of the 90s where like people with tech skills you could do no wrong like hmm. all companies were searching i got thirty five thousand dollars a year to start and some of my other friends were getting a little bit more than that and i remember thinking i had made it like oh man i like made it thirty five thousand dollars and i remember in the first week um i i think I, I went to harry rosen and bought a rain jacket and the rain jacket cost me like I don't know how much, like, I guess I thought I made it. So I went to Harry. I'm like, oh, I guess like I now have money. I'll go to Harry Rosen, which I can no longer afford because I'm used to going to Byway for stuff. And I went to Harry Rosen. I think it almost bankrupted me. Then I got my like go pass and then I hated the go train. I got a parking pass. I, anyway, I quickly realized I was bankrupt in this job. And then uh, a month in, they, uh, they said we had a meeting and we realized IT skills, uh, IT salaries are taking off. 
because some of my friends got a starting job um, at 42,000 and we were at 35. And they said, we chatted at the Royal Bank. We really want to honor the skills that you're coming in here with. We've decided not to give you 35 as your starting salary. We're going to move you immediately. And we don't normally do this to 36. Wow. And well, that's job. when I, and that's when I realized, you know, when you have, well, you're supposed to feel grateful. Yeah. That's when I, my nightmare scenario started kicking yeah. in going, Oh my gosh, like after taxes and stuff, this job, I have no money. I have no future. I have to show up into this cubicle. And it was the kind of floor at the Royal bank on front street where you would walk in through turnstiles. You would swipe your yeah. card and work in through walk in through turnstiles, oh and then you would go up. <laughs> you would go, this is true. Possible. This is true. And and you would walk up to uh, get up to your floor, and you would. It was like maybe the cubicle walls were not like they are today. They were like four four and a half. They were kind of taller, and you could not see anyone's head if they were sitting down. So you would just look across this floor and just see like a maze of cubicle walls. And then I would go into my cubicle and just sit there and like work on this computer code that I was like it was maintenance. So I was just moving. Um, Year 2000 work, I was looking through Clipper code to see if the date format was right. And you wouldn't talk to anybody all day. And I just remember going home going, oh my gosh, like I went to university, I paid extra to go to the school. I know all the latest IT skills. And that's when I quickly, I think within three months, I moved to Oracle. I got like, I think it was a 44 or something of the thousand in tech support and I was gone, but I had a, it was like a nightmare finishing school and realizing. So I wasn't like digging holes like you, but you know, I was living in a cubicle that just felt like, and a guy across the little cubicle walkway from me that was kind of connected to my cubicle. We shared like a cubicle entrance. (laughs) We would both come in. Like I would turn right. He would turn left to his area with a little dividing wall. I swear. And he would just keep telling me how Royal bank. It was, it was like working with golden handcuffs. You you got all these benefits and he calculated his benefits were worth like $40,000 a year. And I just remember having a sinking feeling. And then one day I came in and the VP for the whole department got my name badge that they would put on the side of a cubicle wall. And he was so proudly saying, Hey, your name tag came in and they put it like inserted on the wall. And I just remember just like the whole thing was horror show to me thinking this is is my life. And you know what? It doesn't change as you work up the ladder too. I mean, I started out literally at ground zero (laughs) digging holes, you know, and then, you know, fast forward 15, 17 years later, you know, I'm sitting in the corporate war room, literally war room as a director. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the stories, uh, actually we're only going back a little bit last May, May, 2022, you know, I, I was set for a big raise, you know, they say, Hey, here's your raise. It was like, you know, I think it worked out to like $5,000 and I was like, you serious? But I was taking over two additional roles. So at the time I'm, you know, basically a business director for Canadian operations. Then they're like, Hey, we're, we've got to downsize, you know, as part of the strategic plan. So we let go of a supply chain manager, global supply chain sure. manager and global procurement manager. You know, now I'm taking on that role. And I'm supposed to feel grateful over, you know, a $5,000 increase, but the catch is at the same time, they're taking away my car benefit. So I'm an outspoken person. I was like, okay, well, here's the math. I'm a numbers guy. This works out to like, I don't know, maybe 0.1% increase. And you want me to take on two additional roles. And you know what they said to me? Like, Josh, try and not penny pinch the company and be grateful. I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Luckily at the time in the back of my head, I already had my plan in place to, to exit this corporate world. But you know, it doesn't, the sad thing is it it goes right up the ladder to the top, right? That's how everybody's treated. And you know, when I first entered the corporate world or landscape, uh, 
you know, there are a lot of small to medium sized companies. So you got treated a little bit better. You felt like you were somebody within mm-hmm. them. Right. Mm-hmm. But what you've seen over the last 10 to 15 years is a lot of corporations buy out the small to medium guys and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're in, just, in that industry. Yeah. Specifically. specifically. And you're seeing a lot of manufacturing, right? So what's happening is they just lean it out. It's all about EBITDA, 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 EBITDA. They want to lean it out, lean it out, get in their eyes, more efficient. Arguably you're getting more, more and more less efficient. Right. But they just, someone leaves, someone gets fired, someone quits. What does not matter? They just divvy up the job. Why were you right. already working on a plan to leave? What, what, what was the prompt? You already knew this path wasn't for you. Yeah. You know what? As the years went by, um, you know, I think what I, if I think back now, you know, it's, it's a culmination of years upon years. I think early on, I didn't, I didn't know any better. You know, uh, parents told me, you know, finish school, go get a work good job, or get a good job, work hard. You know, I can't complain. I learned a lot. I started out as a technical guy, you know, and advanced myself more to a business analyst, you know, business directorship over the years. Right. So I learned a ton. I, I don't, I don't regret it, but things changed, right? Small to medium sized companies. You feel like you can make a difference. You are somebody all of a sudden they get bigger and bigger. You just become truly a number and you get treated that way. And you know, you get lied to a lot. Uh, the big one for me is, you know, uh, if I'm in, in a corporate war room, you know, boardroom, I call it a war room because it's literally what it's like. And I, I say to people, you know, be upfront, be direct. You know, most people can take it. Right. But when you're lied to and you know, you're being lied to, you're fed these stories to believe into, you know, the corporate agenda. And it's no different with our governments. Right. We all joke mm-hmm. about that around here. Uh, it really gets to you over time and it's not like one event, you know, one month, one year, two years, it takes time. Right. And it, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, COVID hit, uh, my wife and I just had twins Our twins. They're three now, uh, you know, I'm sitting upstairs 14 hours a day, you know, I'm seeing my kids for 45 minutes before they go to bed. Oh, shit. And I just said to myself, actually, Paul and I had a conversation. This was like summer of, what was it like 2020 or 2021, something like that. And, uh, I was looking at buying, you know, one of my first duplexes in Hamilton. And, uh, I just said like, fuck, how do I get out of this? You know, this mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Right. And, oh, God, uh, shitty feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what, if I think back, I never would have honestly thought I'd make the amount of money I made, but every five years, my salary doubled. So there's no complaints there. Mm-hmm. You know, it set my family up well. Awesome know, for, for life, you know, allowed a, allowed me to get to the point where I am today. Sucked to your able, soul, but at this, least but it, there was a bit of yeah, a payout. Literally sucked my soul, <laughs> yeah, right? I can tell. And, and, and you're just treated differently, and that's the biggie for me. And like I've always been, you know, taught, you know, in my background, you know, Scottish kind of Yugoslavian background is be direct, be blunt. We're very blunt people, but be respectful, right? And it's all about respect. So mm-hmm. for me, it's less like this is just turning into a big district disrespectful situation. Right. And it's not who I am. Um, so yeah, I put kind of a strategic plan together. Anybody that's worked with me knows I'm all about kind of goals and targets and putting strategic plans together. And so I did one for myself and, you know, the exit plan was really, I guess a year and a half it took, but really accelerated over like a three, four month period last year. How old are you right now? 37. Yeah. 37. It'll be 38 this year. Um, but I, I pulled the trigger at the end of October last year and stepped away. Wow. With a young family. Yeah. Young family. I'm a sucker for putting myself in terms of punishment. Mm. You know, we used to live in Burlington, you know, sold that house, bought a duplex in Toronto that we still live in. That was part of the plan. 
you know, at the time it needed a ton of rental work. It was that's in the beaches area. Yeah, it was in the beaches. Yeah. True. Why Burlington to the beaches? Uh, you know, we want to be closer to family. Um, but also as part of the plan, you know, Paul and I were discussing Paul's been, you know, not only a friend, but a great mentor and coach to me was, okay, we're living in a great house in a great area in Burlington, no complaints, but you know, it's sucking my money. Mm. So, you know, if I want to accelerate this plan, I got to improve my own economics, my own business, sure. right? Treat it like a business. So, you know, put the house up for sale, uh, turned a great profit on it. Is that well, the time? Your wife is on board to this? Yeah. Because well, you want closer to family, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. She's on board for that part. Yeah. Okay. Usually when it comes down to numbers, she just yeah, okay. runs the other direction. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we put the plan in place. Um, you know, we found a, a place in the beaches. We we're originally looking for credit, actually, but it was too expensive. It wasn't a lot of inventory, but. The, the benefit we got was at the time COVID was running rampant. You know, people were scared. They were leaving Toronto condos like no tomorrow. Oh, got it. And like literally. You did like a reverse move. Yeah, yeah. Literally in like two weeks, I swear to God, like our house in Burlington went up like 300 grand. And I just, I said to Paul at the time, my wife was like, time to cash in. Like turn this theoretical equity. Sorry, this is summer of 2020? Uh, this would have been May, June. May, June of 2020. Yeah. So I think we went locked down. Oh, this is also like, recent. Holy yeah, like we went locked down like. What was it like April? I think oh, I forget March, it's April, something like that. It's not something even like time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now there's some there's some real estate action before that. Uh, you know, I'd done my own like little mini burr projects all the time. You know, mm. we've moved I think five or six times now. So we buy houses that needed a little bit of equity. You know, yeah. sweat equity put into them. You know, thirty, forty, okay. grand type of thing, and bought and sold with you know the intent only to live there for four or five years. So we've done that a bunch to build equity. So did you proactively ask Paul for advice, or was Paul just saying, "Hey, what the hell are you doing? I can tell you're not happy. Do this." Uh, I don't even remember. Maybe a little bit of both because okay. you know, I've always looked up to Paul and said, you know, what he's built for himself, for his family, his business. So that's why right. you've looked up to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we're friends, so we're always. No, 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 I didn't chat. mean that as a joke. <laughs> no, about it, I didn't know. He was like, "What angle are you?" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. What, what is? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I've made equity that way, but then you know, as I learned more and got educated about it, you know, chatted with Paul about it, I was like, well, how do I put a plan in place to? build quicker, right? And that's what we teach with our clients now is like, hey, you don't need five to 10 years to put an action plan in place. You just gotta be a little bit creative with it, right? So part of it was selling you know, the Burlington home. Now we're moving into the beaches, but we found a home that needed a lot of work. You know, To date, we've probably put 150, $200,000 into that home. My wife actually walked in the front door and walked out. Sure. But what I saw was good bones and it was mainly just aesthetics, right? So we went through a full first floor reno. We still got to do the second and third floor. Did you see you're renting part of it out? Is yeah, well, now we rent the basement out as well. So it's got a, a nice, uh, you know, 500, roughly 550 square foot basement apartment. And we get 1700 bucks out of that. Awesome. So, you know, when you start looking at uh, the beaches there, it's a little bit more expensive. But actually when I ran the numbers, you know, so I look at my pro forma, right? Uh, I was saving money. You know, I sold in Burlington, cashed in a lot of equity, moved to the beaches, higher purchase price. But when I crunch all the numbers and take in $1,700 a month from renting out a basement, I probably wouldn't use anyway. Now I, I'm saving more money. So where did this fit right? into your plan to eventually quit your job? So this was part of the initial plan. You know, I kind of got, I guess, my feet wet like that. Okay. And then I was like, well, shit, this has actually been really successful. It planted the seed in my head. I said, well, how do, how do I do more of this? So uh, we did some work on the house with Paul's help, refied the house. 
took some equity out, bought a Hamilton duplex, mm-hmm. you know, rinse and repeat. Hamilton duplex already done as a duplex? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Needed. So you didn't need any like yeah. free cash, any extra cash? A little bit. Some minor cosmetics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we learned a good lesson on that one with a, a shady roofer uh, that taught me a good real estate lesson. Um, <laughs> we had a roofer once uh, not but, take uh, a dump box off a driveway, um, like they left. And they wouldn't take the, this was an investor we were working with. Um, they doubled the price on the roof and said, hey, we're not taking the dump box off the driveway until you pay us. So they were like blocked from their own. Uh, this was similar. I forget how that one got settled. Yeah, mm-hmm. doubled the price from the quote. Said either pay us or I'm just leaving that dump box there so you can't even use your house. Yeah, this guy was similar, except <laughs> what, what he did was he took the whole roof off, left it exposed, and put half the, the shingles on. No, left the price, but said, hey, I want more down payment now. Mm-hmm. And then never showed up again. Jeez. So then there's a big rainstorm leak that house leak. Oh, Drywall shit. Getting replaced. Luckily, it was vacant. Real estate's so wonderful. You know, it was a good lesson to learn because, you know, and we talk about it a lot now in our classes, you know, build your Rolodex. But, mm. and I think you've mentioned it a lot on your podcast, right? Is build your Rolodex, but don't, don't always go for the cheapest price. No. Because that's what I did in, in that instance. We've all done it. That's yeah. how you learn. And, and you know what the funny thing is, is when I think back, on the way I operate, being in the business I was in for commodity business for years, it's all about relationships. So yeah. I went against the grain because that's what different I know. Industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm under pressure, you know, first one, and then we're planning to buy another one and another one. And it's just like, oh, I gotta get this done and I need to save money and it burned me, right? Yeah. So it's a good lesson to learn. But yeah, from there, kind of rinse and repeat, right? Refi it again. Refied really quickly, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, because the market at the time, rates off. Were, the market was taking off, rates were going down, right? So did it again. Now I've got you know a, a bunch of duplexes. Uh, got a, Hamilton's your preferred area? Yeah, Hamilton, St. Catharines. Okay, Hamilton, yeah. St. Catharines. I'm one of those people, you know, especially coming from industry, you know, you look at commodity chemical manufacturing, mm-hmm. it, it's the building blocks of life. Like mm-hmm. literally it goes into everything that's produced, but you're still talking about something that's fairly niche. So I've always been like a niche person. If I'm going to enter an area like Hamilton, St. Catharines, I want to know it inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to know the whole province, but if I can specialize and know a few areas really, really well, then I can capitalize on it for myself, for my clients, right? Um, so yeah, I, I basically looked at that. It was kind of getting my feet wet. And then I said, wow, this is my path to success. I've always wanted to, you know, as a young person, own my own business. I knew it was fairly intelligent. I'm a hard worker, but I didn't know what to do it in. You know, I was good at the trade I was in, you know, commodity chemical manufacturing, but you know, I wasn't excited at it. Didn't. So, so this now then prompts you to get your real estate license. You're talking to Paul further. Yeah. Like, yeah. How does so, this plan evolve to get to. Yeah. Good question. Good job? question. Actually, uh, you know, I'd been kind of on the side for years and years, helping friends and family out doing it anyway. And then, you know, Hey, go talk to this agent, go talk to mm-hmm. that agent, you know, helping people build business. You know, Paul's helping me do it, you know, putting a plan together to, to exit. Pa- Paul, you must love been watching this journey. And then, uh, going, right? I literally think I, I still remember to this day, I was sitting at the cottage, on the dock, I think I was having a beer. Actually, it was a good, good, nice sunny day like today. And I, I think Paul, I don't even know if you're joking to this day or not. You're like, well, why don't you just go get your license? You know, and I was like, crap. Yeah, like, yeah, why not? Seems obvious. You know, I actually enjoy doing this. I get excited for it. You know, the time spent doesn't feel like work, right? Uh, and I almost feel like I've been doing it for years anyway. You know, just not getting paid to do it. So then I was like, okay, well, if I have my own personal i'm surprised someone with your background could pass the real estate exams yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> watch out everyone yeah. gets lucky i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly they're so hard 
<laughs> thank you to pass it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know what, if I'm building my own business, because truthfully to me, yeah. that's what real estate investment is. You're building your own sure. business, right? So if I'm doing that for myself, that's offsetting a lot of my life expenses. And at the time with interest rates fairly low, I got it to the point where, you know, I was pretty much running it even. So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, if my life's awesome. covered, mm -hmm. then I can now go, you know, work, get my license, work with Paul, enjoy giving back, you know, talking with one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one again with people, not over freaking Zoom calls, you know, dealing with corporate calls all day long. Uh, and, and put put that side of the business together being more like a consultant so then right? it takes you it probably took you what 10 months to get your license a year no no i uh six months six months banged it out in six yeah months. yeah i put it i'm a pretty ambitious person with mm -hmm. targets so i put actually i think i had a four i'd have to look back at my chart but a four or five month target but then i realized humber college slows you down on purpose yeah like they space it out right like, yeah yeah like force they, you to take it you, at a certain pace i did all the theory classes just by clicking through them quick doing the test right away but then you hit these two simulation classes and uh they you have to finish your last test before you can book the sim but then when you go to book the sim There's, it's like a month yeah, and a half yeah, out got it but yeah i did it in like six months uh i told him you didn't finish in six months like <laughs> yeah and this guy's mostly, <laughs> when i when i took it it was like mail order man they yeah. sent you a book in the mail yeah. i read it at home then you just showed up to write an exam and that was it Me yeah too. i think i finished in like I don't know, April or something like that. And Paul's messaging me in January saying, you're done yet. And I'm like, dude, like I, I, I should be done like this. Cause I'm, that's how I am. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like serving you well, though. Yeah, the way you like are is like serving you shit well. Done, right. Yeah. So yeah, it just, it slowed me down, but you know what? It, it was good because then, allowed, you got the, the license knowing that you're going to quit your job. Yeah. At, oh, that, wow. at that point, okay. you know, again, it goes back to the conversation in the summer. I think he Honestly, Paul thought I was probably nuts at the mm. time and thinking I'm joking. But when I have something in my head, I go for it. Like I go hard. I'm all in Good for you. I'm like that with everything. So, uh, you know, from that moment forward, it was like July or August or whatever it was. Actually, I think it was July because remember I did my first test in September on Labor Day. Mm -hmm. But once I'm in and my head is there, like I'm guns ablazing. So, you know, I had the strategic plan in place, timelines, targets, you know, my own KPIs. And yeah, good to go. What were some basically. of the KPIs? Do you remember? So any well, some of them are, you know, hey, finish this course by this date, you know, achieve in my mind in order to stay, you know, sharp and, you know, on, on my toes, it's like, I need this mark. Right. So I want to oh, wow. achieve like a 90. Right? Oh, but I really I want those courses. I, I was always it. like, Hey, what do I need to pass? Let me get a percentage higher. Yeah. Than and like, I'd have even have silly stuff. And again, it's just, and it's the same thing in the real estate process. Paul says it best, you know, it, Real estate is a, it's a process, not an event. Well, it's the same thing in life. It's a process, not an event, right? So it's like silly things like, you know what? I'm going to click through this portal by X date on next time. So check mark mm. done, move over to the next task. Right? So I, I did that and I was really able to accelerate, but also builds, you know, the framework of now my business moving forward, you know, so our, our business obviously includes working with, you know, rockstar mm -hmm. clients, helping them put their businesses together. But I've also got with Paul and, and Andrew, you know, we've got a, a Rolodex of contractors now. We've got, uh, you know, come close with Fabio Campanella at Campanella Group. So, you know, if we cool. put together corporations, you know, Amangelo Vumbaka, you know, mm, awesome. you know, met with him, you know, put together uh, Rolodex and understood how wills can work, you know, really trying to estate plan for people and really build a business for people. Mm -hmm. Right. You're starting actually multiple businesses. Each of the properties that you own to me is a franchise. Yeah, you're offering exactly. shelter. Your, your customer is living in there. Those are each like little franchise businesses to me more than investing in real estate. Right. Like, this is right. active. And then with your real estate license, and I know you're doing t stuff together with Paul and with Andrew, but it's like starting another business. So you're, you've actually started multiple businesses. Yeah. 
And the momentum in to require to get that going is incredible. So the energy you need to get that flywheel going is really high. Oh yeah, so I mean, good for you. I know you've seen it like the way I'm in it. Once I'm all in, I got my first job when I was 14 years old. Um, you know, I wanted, I think new hockey equipment. My dad is pretty old, old cheap Scotsman. And he's like, no, I'm not giving you a penny. And I said, fine, I'll go get a job. My parents went to the cottage for the summer and I got a job <laughs> walking dogs actually. <laughs> and you stayed home without them. Yeah. I stayed 14. home without them, cooked all my own food, took care of myself. No way. Yeah. That's how my parents are. They're just, you know, work hard. Any brothers or sisters? Uh, we had a brother, but he passed when he was young. Oh, geez. Um, so, but you know, usually you think of an only child and you get babied. My, mm -hmm. my you know, upbringing was completely the opposite. You know, my parents were pretty like hard nosed, like work hard. You were neglected. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically like work. It, it's funny because there's some value that comes from that. No, because when I was younger, honestly, like I was probably the quiet kid. Uh, you know, I don't want to say we didn't grow up with much, mm -hmm. but I grew up in a very affluent neighborhood in uh, in North York, but we weren't Got affluent it. people. Yeah, we yeah. lived in a high rise apartment building that was like. You know, not grimy, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't mm. nice. Like honestly, going to high school, I felt like the poor kid. Why? Because some friends lived in nicer houses. Or yeah, something? like you're talking Bayview and Finch, mm. Bayview York Mills stretch. Got it. Like yeah, yeah. I remember going to friends' parties. Like here, they got elevators in their houses. They got urinals mm. in their bathrooms, and I'm like, man, we're living in like a, a small two bedroom, like kind of crummy apartment. Mm -hmm. I should have felt grateful, right? Because it had a good life. Mm -hmm. But you know, in comparison to what everyone else had, uh, mm. I was always kind of looking at that being like, well, how do I get that? I want to be that. And my way around it was to work hard um, and probably be jealous and have a chip on my shoulder. And that's what's true, you know, made me successful and dro mm -hmm. driven me forward my whole career. That makes sense. Uh, and I honestly think that's where probably the real estate bug got in a little bit because I was always looking at these, you know, beautiful, grandiose homes mm -hmm. and like kind of picturing myself living in them. I'm like, well, how do I get there? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and what I was taught as a kid is just work hard. Right. So then how um, do you lead us up to actually, yeah, sorry, giving, we're all over the place. No, no, it's great. It lead us up to giving actual notice. So you get your real estate license and, yeah, that, so, and then what are you using it? Do you, do you join with up with Paul? Yeah. Yeah. So this was May, uh, May of what? 2021, 2020, no, 2022 actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, I was, I felt like I've been doing this a lot longer because I was doing it more or less. I feel like you've been doing it a lot without, longer. without a license, right? Like just helping family friends out talking about it. And I'd say, Hey, go talk to a Paul or something like that. If you need to transact. Right. But yeah, I've only been actively had my license since last May. Uh, but there's a lot of planning, uh, that goes into that a lot of hard work too, right? Like I've been in this office at 6 AM and left at 9 PM, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I know what it takes to run a business because what I came up through before, you know, exiting, you know, quote unquote, the big corporate world was working for small to medium sized businesses. You know, uh, the first place I worked for outside of environmental consulting, uh, was for a place called PVS chemicals and they wanted to open a Canadian division. So sitting in an office here in Burlington, it was myself, uh, and the vice president. And they said, you know, we've got about 2 million going through the books. Uh, we want to double in size every five years. And it was just two of us. And when I left after, uh, eight and a half years, I think it roughly was, we we're 20 people and about 54 million, you know? So if I look at the, you know, the skills I gained, it was always from small to medium sized mm -hmm. businesses. And guess what? I don't care how smart you are. It comes down to hard work. You would know, obviously mm -hmm. starting off rockstar, right? 
like you got to grind mm-hmm. and you know, it's not handed to you. And you I think Andrew Palitas was just saying this, that like, if you commit that many hours, you're either going to quit what you're doing yeah. or you're going to succeed. Yeah. And you just, it sounds like you've just, with everything you've done, just stuck with it. Yeah. And to me, like you can be intelligent and you can have, it doesn't matter what your IQ is, but at the end of the day, you got to work hard. Mm. Uh, businesses, unless someone's handing you something, don't just come out of nowhere. You just got to literally work 140% every day. And that's my mentality. And I live by one principle. Actually, I think it was Jordan Peterson said this a while back, but it's like uh, hard work can overcome self-doubt. And hmm. I, I, I remember hearing that a long time ago. This is probably before he even became famous when he was at, I think, UFT or something like that. And I've always lived by that principle because I'm like, okay, if there's ever any self-doubt there, I can overcome that in my mind by just working really hard. That way it goes away. Hmm. Or my mind is kind of altered and I'm not thinking about the self-doubt because I'm so focused, right? Uh, and that's really, you know, where I come from. So, you know, when I'm talking with you or talking with Paul, I feel like I've been here a lot longer, but I really mm-hmm. haven't, but I've been prepared. And I've seen you putting in the hours. I think I left on Friday or something and you were still, I know you were here in the morning or maybe it was Thursday. I can't remember. And you were here at night and I was going to text Paul. I go, your buddy's committed. And then I didn't text you. But anyway, I'm telling you now. Now my wife probably doesn't like that because you know I'm not home a lot. I think it just takes but. a yeah. I know, and I hear that all the time. And some people will tell us, "Well, Tom, I'm not going to start a business because I, I I can't commit the amount of hours." And I'm like, unfortunately, a business needs energy and yeah. it needs momentum, and you need to invest in that. And if you're not going to invest with money, if you're not just going to hire ten people to work on your behalf, right. you're going to have to put in the time I am the and business, lay. Yeah. You are the business, yeah. And that's just how it works. Well, it's different than the corporate world, like because it's my own time, it's my choice if I want to work 14 hours or not. I left the corporate world because I was working 14 hours for somebody else and it's going really unappreciated. But now I'm working. And that will change too. You're working this much. Yeah, I'm working this much now. I'm working with friends. We're having a good time. And it's by my choice if I want to be here, right? And put in that effort and I'm enjoying it. That's the big difference, Mm -hmm. right? So I wish in some ways I found out about this earlier in life. Mind you, I'm only going to be 38 this year. Oh my gosh, you have so much time. But then again, I'm, I'm not upset about it because I gained all those business skills, you know, throughout the years and, and it led me down this path. And I don't think I'd be successful at what I'm doing now without having gone. Yeah. It served you in so many ways. Did you read personal development books in your twenties? No, the funny thing is, is I I always listen to so many of your podcasts and everyone's always talking about about books, but I I don't read books. Mm. Uh, I can actually say other than being forced to in school, I've read one book, which will probably, you know, most people are like, are you crazy? I read the, the Bible. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're about to say right now. I read Kevin O'Leary's like first book and I, no I, I still don't even remember. Like I read it pretty quickly actually, but I, I, probably I, I'm not a reader. Not. I like podcasts and I like just kind of dibble dabbing myself and like self learning, going through it, like going through events to learn. Um, but I remember reading his book and he always just said, you know, make money work for itself. Mm. And I read this, like, I guess this is why maybe my early twenties, yeah. but it always stuck with me. So again, it was just another step along the path that was implanted. Cool. You know, then these events happen and now I'm like, okay, passive income. How do I offset my life expenses? Okay. All these multifamily properties. So that's the key for me. And we didn't was really the chat about that. And that's what, you know, we're, we're coaching and teaching. Okay. And I want to talk about that yeah. a little bit more, but uh, when do you know you're going to give notice? Yeah. So like, sorry. Yeah. We got on a tangent there. No, so this was like good. May of last year, the process, the plan went in place. Uh, from, I originally set a three month target okay. to give where notice. you're doing some real estate stuff with Paul and, and your corporate, working job. corporate okay. job, which is just yeah. crazy Yeah, with two kids at yeah. home and you're driving yourself into the yeah, ground. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I set a three month target. Okay. Then interest rates go up. Mm. Business slows down. Yeah. You know, yeah, you quit at a very pipelines a little bit tougher, but again, I kind of look at it like it's a good learning experience because coming from commodities, you know, when things are flowing well, everyone's you know, a anybody hero. can sell, everyone's a hero. Anyone can yeah. sell ice cream yeah. when it's 40 degrees yeah. on the beach. Whereas now I can actually slow down, take a look at the processes, be really, you know, efficient about them, help Paul and the team set up process, work our clients with, to a true business plan, be strategic about it and act and we'll probably win better in the end. And heck, we've done some great numbers with high interest rates. Yeah, so you really have. I haven't honestly felt any different from since when I left my corporate job. It's almost just been like a complete replacement. So was there a, um, like for, for me? I, I set a three month target. Okay. And I ended up doing it in four, even though interest rates went up. Were you looking so, for a certain amount of income to be earned from real estate? Yeah, one to one. Oh, got it. Not, sorry, I'll say that. One to one, including my passive income. Okay. So originally when obviously That's interest rates were a lot lower, yeah. you know, the, the amount of consulting income that would have to come in or real estate income that would have to come in was quite low. Now it's quite a bit higher, but through the hard work, I've been able to offset those interest rates. And mm -hmm. really I'm, I'm at one to one now. So you, um, you, you saw that you were going to be able to hit that one-to-one -one number with your real estate income exactly. here. And then you said, okay, I'm giving notice. Yeah. Give, so I had, I originally in my head two, two weeks notice, uh, I gave a month okay. being, you know, a little bit further okay. up the chain, being at a director level, you know, standard is kind of a month. How was that received? Not well, no, not well, oh, geez. um, uh, they were shocked. Of course, everyone's always shocked, mm -hmm. shock, 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 shock. And it's like, really look how you're treating people. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're telling me I'm penny pinching the company when were you're you, were me you like freaking a, out after you gave you the notice. No, no. Okay. When, like I said, when I, when I'm got something on my mind and I'm ready to go and the mm -hmm. plans in place, I'm confident any of that self doubt. I know I'll overcome with that hard work, right? The office is here in Oakville. You live in the beaches. What time are you leaving home to get here? You're here uh, before I get here. If I don't drop the kids off, I'm a 5 a.m.er every day, okay. seven days a week. I get up at 5 a.m. I do my thing. Uh, if I don't have to drop the kids at daycare, uh, I'm usually here by seven. W w when you get up at 5 a.m. and do your thing, what's your thing? Uh, that's my free time. Okay. Um, I've, when I'm probably not since reading. I've been about, no. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're not, but reading. you know what, when I say I don't read, I don't read books. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love, it doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm just saying that's my time yeah. to read. I love researching articles, huh. you know, reading posts. I'm not a Twitter person either, but I'll read. So it's, just, it's Josh time. Yeah. It's Josh Be time. Center yourself. Yeah, I'll take the dog for a walk, have my coffee. No kids are screaming at me. Wife's not screaming at me. The, 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 the kids and the wife, the family's getting up at what time? Six thirty. Six thirty. So you have an hour and a half yeah. every day. That's really nice. A shower, coffee, walk dog. Is this when you do some of your planning on yeah, some of those yeah, KPI kind of like, targets that time for you? Yeah. Me cool. self-assess, you know, again, part of strategic planning, you know, coming from the corporate world is you set those KPIs, you set those targets or, you know, that process in place, but you got to take a step back every now and then say, okay, how's it going? You know, what are the numbers? Mm -hmm. Okay. I got to now rejig it and move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's when really, when I do that, that's a really strategic um, time. I have yeah. met so many people that when they change their lives, they're getting up early and, you know, doing some thinking. I call it scheming. People don't like it when I use that word because it's got a negative connotation to it. But like you're scheming for your own life. You're coming yeah. up with your plans and stuff. So now I'd say the hardest thing, probably actually transitioning out of corporate for me, was yeah. being an early riser. And I've always been that way. And yeah. I had a lot done between, say, 5 a.m. and like midday or yeah. 2 p.m. 
Now, as we know in real estate, there's a lot of conversations had at 8 p.m. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so you want to talk Holy about for me shit. by 8 p.m., my head's like, oh, like I did a class, the multifamily yeah. class last night. And yeah, it, did you? I didn't get out of here till nine. And I'm talking with people. Exhausting. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I almost feel bad because I don't even know what I'm saying to them. And I'm like, I, I hope they enjoyed this because this is not my sharp hour. <laughs> you know, if I did yeah. this at 5 a.m., yeah, yeah. I'd be you know, yeah. doing cartwheels we should, we in the room. Toy so you got to have an afternoon nap like me. Yeah. 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 I always make fun of him because he naps in the parking lot. <laughs> I've seen him nap in the parking lot sometimes. I like what, what are you doing? doing his nap. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so for me, you, man. you know, Josh, said, congrats. Uh, uh, thanks, man. Congrats. Yeah, cheers. cheers. We didn't drink our tequila yet. We're having our tequila Salud. right now. Salud. Yeah. Way to go, man. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Who's doing that? You're, you're, that's an incredible story. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's a, a current story at a time when people would think that's not possible. You're no, yeah, yeah. Anything truly is, pro, uh, sorry, possible. You just got to be prepared and plan for it, right? And, and it's no different in real estate. You want to grow a portfolio to quit your corporate job, grow a portfolio to fly around the world, just put cash in the bank, which obviously we don't recommend. Um, you just got to put a plan in place. And so when you're talking to people now, you're in such a prime position because you're recently in the corporate world and you're meeting people who yeah. want to do exactly what you have done. Right. So that's why you're bringing up multi units because they've served you so well. Specifically, are you talking duplexes, fourplex? Like when you say multi units, yeah. what all of the above. So really anything, you know, if we look at personal financing, so two units up to four, okay. Right? Because I think five and above, you get into commercial financing, but really up to 20. Uh, you know, our group, Paul and Andrew, we really say anything above 20 gets tough. You're talking about like institutional mm -hmm. investors and mm -hmm. you know, foreign investors that are buying full cash. A lot of private sales is tough to deal with. Right. So we say kind of like two to two to 20 with and in, I'd the say the, in the geographical area of Hamilton's Golden Horseshoe. Golden yeah. Horseshoe. Oh, OK. And the bulk of it probably actually being like two to 10 units is where we do most of our sure. business. But to me, you know, being a business owner, if I think of any business, it's about how do I de-risk, right? And when I was getting going early on, to me, a single family home or a condo is not a bad investment. Mm -hmm. And I'll commend anybody any day for buying that if you're gonna do that versus put your money in a freaking RRSP, a GIC or TFSA. But I'd say arguably for the same amount of money in a different area or the same amount of money, maybe a bit more, I could buy a multifamily and de-risk my purchase. What do we mean by de-risk? It's, hey, if I look at sensitivity analysis on the interest rate, you know, interest rates we've seen as low as, heck, I had a 1.16 at the beginning of this craziness. Mm -hmm. Now I'm at six something. So if I look at a multi-unit and I'm gonna say, hey, here's six properties, well, which one performs best under a 2% interest rate, a three, a four, a five, a six, a seven, God forbid, eight, nine, or 10, which we probably know is not possible with mm -hmm. the debt these days, right? But that's called, de-risking your purchase. Well, you can't do that with a single family home or say a condominium investment. Again, it's not bad if you're not gonna do anything, but if I've got choices, why not take multiple income streams over one and run the analysis and I can see that my purchase performs well under all scenarios. So that's why when you say, hey, how'd you quit? And God forbid, and it did happen, like I'm quitting literally and interest rates are going up like no tomorrow, but it didn't scare me. I was just like, okay, I just have to pivot my ratios a bit. I got to have a little bit more, you know, consulting income come in, but it really didn't destroy my plan because all of my properties to this day are still cash flow positive, mm -hmm. even though my rates have gone from one, 2% up to six, 7%. 
They're all positive still. And that's with 20% down. We're not talking like, you know, LTVs. Of is there a sweet spot you like? Like, is it is it duplexes on the smaller end of the a kind of a multi-unit? Or is it like a triplex or a sixplex? Uh, is there like a, it, within the window of property you like, is there one that's just like. Not oh. really. To me, every property presents its own kind of story, right? So passive income or cash flow, profit, whatever you want to call it, is just one component, right? The next component is, well, how do I equity build off that? So what Paul actually taught me early on, is find those seven out of tens as we call them, right? So he don't go. Clearly hasn't taught you about wearing gold chains. No, no, no. Okay, I'm, I'm that, that'll come. I'm the pasty white guy, so it doesn't mm-hmm. look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you've said that, and I'm pastier than you. I, I know <laughs> my gold chain. Yeah, and, and my gold chain is a thing of beauty. Man. <laughs> yeah. Remember, my, maybe one day we wear it for different reasons. I'm not really sure why Paul wears this. I should. I've never really asked you. Like mine is the fu to the central banking, system. which I love. But that is my yeah. fu signal. That if I see a gold chain on someone else, I'm like, even whether even if they don't know it, yeah. they're they're secretly giving an no, fu to the central. Don't, bank. don't make me get all political now because that will get me down a central tangent. Central banking is not even political. <laughs> That's just the basics of a basis of all our problems. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, back to what we're saying is, you know, find that seven out of 10. So what does that mean? You know, don't go buy the property that's, you know, $600 square foot finishes and it's something you'd live in and it's all shiny and nice. You go find the property that maybe needs new floors, needs an updated kitchen, you know, paint, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 grand. Remember back to what I said, what I've done with my personal properties to build equity. So we're looking at properties and I did this to put a little bit of equity in sweat equity force the appreciation up, so the rents, force the refi potential up. But also once you do that, I'm gonna get optimal cash flow. And really that's what we look for, for ourselves and our clients. And that's how you de-risk and win at this game in my mind, right? Because then I know I can be confident, I can make decisions out there. Mm-hmm. And if it's 7% interest rates, yeah, it sucks, don't get me wrong. I was enjoying all that money dumping into my bank account, but now my business is still running slightly positive. And there's no stress, right? So I can stay focused on my plan. Yeah, super Whereas, interesting. Uh, you know, Paul and I had a client, what was it like end of last year? She contacted us. We put the property actually up for sale. She was minus $2,200 in cash flow, single yeah. family home in Brantford. Oh, geez. Like, how, how can you build a successful portfolio if mm-hmm. you're basically saying to yourself, you know, interest rates have to stay at 1% to 3%? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm sorry, coming from the commodity world, that's just unrealistic. Commodities always go up and down. The baseline changes, but there's always ups and there's always downs. And if you're going to win, you have to be able to live when times are down, right? Even though it's short term, right? So I say to a lot of my clients, like, if you won't buy in this market, you're really telling yourself you shouldn't be in this market at all. Because what you're saying to yourself is, if I have eight good years out of 10, and I'm enjoying the cash flow, everything's going great, and you won't buy in this market, and you have, say, two down years, basically telling yourself you're going to sell everything, right? You have to be able to withstand and understand that what goes up will come down and what goes down will mm-hmm. come up. And that's just the basics. Especially the first few years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, right? So to me, the answer is multifamily. And whatever shape and form that comes in, you know, it could be a duplex, could be a triplex, a quad. Naturally, people always think more units means more cash flow or better, but not necessarily. You know, we've been able to prove that, you know, some duplexes, the right ones outperform a fourplex, right? What if the fourplex is all bachelor pads or all one bedroom sure. apartments? So many right? variables. There's so many variables there. Any of right? your properties uh, have future potential for uh, garden suite? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it at the time. And I think 
Paul knew it and I really say thanks to him. The very first duplex I bought in Hamilton's got alley suite potential. So it's got a laneway in the back right oh, now. Nice. Right now it's set up with two parking spots in the back and two in the front, which is ideal for downtown Hamilton. Uh, but that'll be one of the, does plans. it already have a garage structure back there? No, oh. no, but the whole alleyway street, it's possible. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. There's services there and it's, it, there's all big garages there. So yeah, it's we possible. Just, we just bought one in, uh, where did we buy? Welland. Yeah. Paul and I just bought, bought a property in Welland. I like how you, can, you can't remember where you bought it. That's a good sign. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have, uh, we have full alleyway access in the back. Nice. And, uh, I think we're going to get five lots out of it. So what do you mean the house is at the front of the section of the lot and you can it's, sever the it's, rest it's of it? It's an empty lot. It's just a... Oh, there's nothing... Sorry, you bought land? It, sorry, yeah. I should say it's a, it's a piece of land. Oh, okay, got it, land, got 50 it. 50 by 150. Okay. But when we looked at it, there's an alleyway in the back with full access, full turning radius. Wow. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And like, you know, we're, we're doing all the due diligence and the, the development and... You know, we're going to get five lots out of it. I mean, you already scooped this one up. Yeah. This Welland. is St. Catharines area, you said, sorry? Welland. That, oh, Welland. Welland. Yeah. Oh, nice. Downtown Welland, yeah. Wow. I think... What so we you go guys are with? in the process. Do you have to re... Are you rezoning? Like, we're, Don't need to. It's already zoned properly. So now you just have to legally sever? Is that Correct. what you have yeah. to do? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to legally sever this thing? And then what are you potentially going to build on it? Well, you know, it, with land, when you go from raw to something that's severed or approved, there's a huge jump in value. Mm. So, uh, you know, at that point, you decide whether you sell the lots or you go for another ride and, and build. So, so you might sever and then potentially you could sell because the value's higher. We will well, sever. Okay, yeah, so you are, sorry, you are going to sever, but you could potentially sell at that point if you want to sell a lot off or two, no? You could sell them all, you could sell a few. Okay, or you then go to getting something built on them. Yeah, we will build it. If we're going to build it, we'll design it for, um, you know, medium density multifamily. So we could get up to 16 units on the land, but it doesn't make sense to build a building like a, so what would you do? A lot of semis, maybe towns? We would do triplexes. Triplexes. And get like... Standalone triplexes? Some attached and some okay. standalone. Because oh, nice. as multiple triplexes, you now you're bringing in residential financing. Mm -hmm. They're much more saleable. Mm -hmm. the, the cost per square foot to build is lower, much more efficient than building a small building. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous with fire separations and all this crazy stuff. So We want to turn a couple lots we have into triplexes. And the reason I like triplexes specifically is because they get the best of both worlds. They're kind of multi-units in that you kind of mitigate risk. You have multiple streams of income in one property, but it's also tied to the residential real estate market. So if the residential real estate market goes up, they're not big enough where investors will just analyze them based on cap rate. Right. You get some of the lift. You know how in, in real estate yeah, investing- you you get both the best of both worlds. You get market and income. Yeah. It's like this sweet spot in real estate investing is right. like that triplex world. It's really, yeah. you know, you get in duplex, you get in fourplexes as well, but uh, I guess all of it. But triplexes right now, to me, are super sweet. Yeah, with, uh, with uh, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent either, but like with this Bill 109 and Bill 23 or whatever, that's a whole podcast that mm -hmm. the changes that happened in uh, Ontario there. They're making you know, small infill developments, much easier to go from zero to mm -hmm. up to three units and sometimes four and mm -hmm. five, like you were saying in Toronto there. Um, and that's, that's a good thing for everybody. Got it. Okay. So you guys got this and sorry, I don't even know how we got to this point, but that's what you're helping people. So are you helping some clients you work with? Yeah, what's the most common thing? It's probably just a pre-built duplex, triplex, fourplex. Uh, like you yeah. Were saying. So we either do pure multifamily again, two to 
10 is the most yeah. common. We'll go up to 20. But probably uh, even but within that window, it's two to four is the most common. Yeah. Yeah. Most common. I'd say, you know, 70% of our clients fall on the personal side. So the two to four, maybe okay. 30% of them are eight now or five and above. And they're getting um, commercial financing. Yeah, on exactly. Those. You know, they've got a bigger equity position at that point. Yeah, okay. At, you know, the property is all about the DCR debt to coverage mm-hmm. ratio. Right. Um, but then, you know, we're getting a lot more into kind of infill development. Mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, Paul and I obviously have our own project going on right now that he just mentioned, but we've got another client that we bought a lot in Niagara Falls area. He's going to build side-by-side semi-duplexes. Uh, so good. And, you know, you got, as Paul calls it now money. But if he holds those units, he's also got his future money, totally. like his medium to long-term passive income, money, yeah. right? Um, and it's all about just procuring the land at a good deal, but being kind of optimistic about what it could turn into. So again, it's the same approach. You try and de-risk it by saying, hey, I have some basic knowledge about this piece of land. I'm going to go tie it up at bare minimum if I get three or four units out of it. Great. I win. And some of them, like the one we bought together, Paul and I, now we're like, heck, at minimum, we may get like 10 or 12 units mm-hmm. out of this, mm-hmm. right? By the time we add ADUs to each structure, right? So that's how you win, right? You, you got to act. And it, again, it goes back to the, how we started. It's all about multifamily to me. Uh, and again, I, I, I truly you don't. You really love the multifamily. Well, I just don't, I don't give people a hard time if they're in real estate in general. Like, great, you know. But this is the Im- area that makes sense. Impressive. Like you've built up, you know, you've got a dozen single family units. Great. But unless you've got long equity positions and like I was that kid, Paul was that kid, you know, growing up with not much, no handout. So if you got minimum percent down, like that's risky. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, the new MLI CMHC financing that came out. It's like a point mm, that's system right. yeah, yeah, for efficiency yeah, yeah. and environmental it's bullshit, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, great. You're giving people an opportunity to buy, you know, 95% LTV, mm-hmm. uh, 50 year amortization. You know what? That gives people options, but man, that's risky. You know, if the market switches on you and like we just, we've seen the last year, year and a half with the rates, you're underwater. Mm-hmm. That crushes your business. Your plan is done. I think for some people who yeah. don't have that option. Yeah, for sure. Changes to your financial situation changes. Like Nick and I have some single family stuff now that actually started as duplexes. We rent them out now as single family, but our financial situation has changed. Right. So we can kind of handle it. We might build on that later. One of them is one Paul uh, told us to buy, which was a great idea. Paul told us to buy, immediately went up after. Whenever Paul, Paul's one of those weird people that like Nick and I don't listen to anyone. But if Paul's <laughs> like, hey man, this is like a no brainer property and just looking at you with that Paul face. Yeah. You know when Paul- Hey, are you stupid? Yeah, like, are you, are you stupid? stupid? Are you not buying this? Why aren't you buying this? I'm like, Paul, why aren't you buying this thing? I can't buy it right now. Why would you not buy this right now? And I remember you did that in the office one day. I went to Nick. I'm like, shit, I think we have to buy this property. <laughs> the funny thing is he's Paul's convincing friend, with it. He, he's convincing because he just gave uh, me a look. Yeah. I don't know. My very first property. And he kind of just remember. mumbles. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not buying this property. He just like walks away. And I remember he walked away. I was like, shit, Paul, can you email me that listing? What's that property? That property. Yeah. Uh, actually, my first property uh, <laughs> with Paul the Hamilton duplex. I never even saw it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I was, I think still sitting on the cottage dock and you know, he didn't give me the, what are you stupid scenario? We're just like, come on, man, it's a good deal. 
Yeah. Just buy it. Yeah. The only buy thing it. we learned about that strategy, because <laughs> over the years, a lot of investors have said, I don't need to look at the property. I just look at the numbers. Yeah. Nick and I just looked at the numbers on some properties. Then we really dug into the property and we realized we bought a piece of shit yeah, yeah. that had a lot of problems with the property. So I tell everyone, yes, the numbers matter, but you should still go freaking look at the property yeah, gotta, or trust the people who you're buying it off of. Or you know? do an inspection. Yeah. 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 Inspection. yeah, yeah. Understand like your CapEx. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We have a Pebble Foundation to this day. Oil tank on another one. Um, we swapped that one out. But uh, yeah. Okay, so multifamily, and then now when you're and sorry, just not to interrupt you, but when I say you know to me that's the answer, I'm speaking more to probably like you said, not people further down the line with their portfolios, but like how do you get started? Sure. And if your goals are you know to build passive income quicker, mm-hmm. de-risk the mm-hmm. business, and then like if you've got goals similar to me and you want to leave your corporate job or just do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's that's the less risky scenario, and probably if you do the right due diligence, leads you to the best optimal cash flow versus, you know, putting money into a single family or pre-construction condo or something. How like. have you dealt with investors who basically shit their pants uh, after buying and have buyers remorse or feel like they got ripped off or think this is going to fail? Yeah, good question. You must have been dealing with some investors who have these things thinking now. Yeah, especially now that? with the rates up all the time. Yeah. Right? How are you but, dealing with that? Uh, again, it's it's a process, right? So you know, we we've built a uh, especially with now uh, we have a pipeline uh, and it doesn't just go from say prospecting to final sale. We've got steps after that too, you know, so we got check-in points. Um, you know, to me really, I, I don't want to, it's probably the wrong word to say the easy part is buying the property and getting there. But truthfully, I think the harder part is post-sale. You know, how do you put the right tenants in? But we, we pretty much mandate with most of our clients, if we can get vacant possession, Young professionals, you know, we're looking for people 23 to 35 to put in our units, hmm. a lot of screening and really educate them whether they're going to do it themselves or they're going to hire, you know, us or another third party to do it. But, you know, staying in constant contact with them and it's, it's not, okay, you took, you got your keys and now we stop, right? It's like, no, we're going to get on a call probably like every day mm-hmm. and discuss next steps, right? And really that's the plan. And if you don't do that right your first property or maybe it's your third that's your base your business is going to fail right or it's going to struggle so it's like we need to really do well at the beginning because that builds a good base and from that base that's how you build your equity you can refi you know get HELOCs and keep growing quicker how's your family situation now with all the hours that you're putting in how are you managing the family (sighs) depends who you ask yeah it's hard (laughs) it's a lot right I'd say personally, because you're just starting building this out now. Yeah, I have this debate with my wife probably every day. In my mind, I think it's better because it's my hours on my Mm -hmm. time. And what I try and say to her all the time is uh, corporate world. I'd be on a, especially the last couple of years on a Zoom call from like 7 a.m. Because manufacturing starts early to like 5 p.m. straight. Really? Like I'm not even joking to the point where sometimes I'm like, I need a bio break as they would call it. And I'm like, Holy how the shit. heck do what I go to the bathroom? doing on these right? calls? Checking in with people? Oh, it's just what happened in the, with COVID is I think people went insane with micromanaging. It was like there were micromanagers out there. I've worked for tons. I was probably one at some point <laughs> myself earlier on in my management career. And then COVID made it worse. And you're just having calls of calls of calls of calls. Like, let's jump on a Zoom call. Every day, it's just Zoom, 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 or Microsoft Teams, right? Throw up in my mouth. So I just remind her of that. I say, look, now I might work a lot of hours, but it's choppy. You know, it kind of brings me back to like when I was working for small to medium-sized businesses and growing them. I'm like, hey, it's 2 p.m. I'm going to go get my groceries. I'm going to go get my haircut. I'm going to go golf. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's how it was earlier. And, in my and this will compound on you. The investors that you guys are both working with become lifelong partnerships and clients and repeat business. And then that frees up a lot of your time because yeah, you're not exactly. quite hustling as hard as you are now. Yeah. Not that this game ever gets easy. I don't think Paul, you would say it's easy. None of us would say it's easy, but it does free up. It gives you options. You can throttle your time. Yeah. And that. we start with all of our clients, uh, you know, introductory call. It's all about setting goals, short, medium, long term. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one to three years is kind of the short medium is like the three to five, five to 10 plus is the long term, right? So if we put a plan together early on and you're gonna have to make changes, but a lot of time goes into the, and the, you know, legwork goes into the beginning. And then after that, the plan's set. What's right? the biggest so mistake you see people doing or thinking? What's the biggest mistake in their thinking? Not acting. Okay. Not so acting. they're just taking too long to figure things out. Yeah, yeah. So they want a hundred percent of the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And they just don't understand. Like again, Paul's quote. You know, it's it's a process, not an event. Mm -hmm. Right. One step at a time. So uh, the, what we try and preach all the time: tie it up, tie it up, tie it up. Especially in a buyer's market like we're in now, you can finally get conditions. You know, yeah, rates are up, but now we can do our due diligence. We can put together a solid business plan tie up the freaking property. You don't, you don't need to understand everything about it now. And are you seeing some people take your advice? Yeah. Yeah. We've had uh, quite a bit of success this year, yeah. you know, in a, in a tough market, you know, getting clients to pull the trigger. But even when you speak to them after the fact, they're, they're saying, yeah, you really dragged me through the process. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, awesome. you gotta remember, you gotta remember not everybody is just going to act. There's different personality types out there. You know, some people are numbers people, some people are nervous Nellies, some people, you know, just all over the place in general, mm -hmm. right? So you got to understand who they are and play to their personality. But if you do it like a step-by-step -step process, so like we're not talking about home inspection when we're doing, you know, the pro forma at the beginning mm -hmm. and evaluating the property. You know, when we're doing the home inspection, I'm not talking about putting tenants in place. If they bring it up and say, hey, we'll talk about that later. Right. It's one step at the time. If you could check all those boxes along the way, you drag them through the process. They're more, they're, they're armed with knowledge and they're more apt to make a decision and pull the trigger if they understand the whole thing. I think what struggles, if I take myself back to when I was early on buying properties and having really shitty real estate agents, you know, are there using, shitty real estate agents? Oh yeah, tons. Gosh, yeah, you yeah. kid. You certainly <laughs> kid. There's like 80,000 of them in Ontario. <laughs> Over a hundred. Maybe not for much longer. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope so. You know, they're just like, hey, here's your, you know, your APS, mm -hmm. you know, just sign here and, you know, buy this and then we'll do an inspection and move on. Right. It's just like, well, not everybody's going to do that. Probably actually 95% of people are not going to pull the trigger if you do that. You got to drag them through the process, make them understand what they're buying, especially in investment real estate. Mm -hmm. They're not moving into it. You know, the fact that they got to change a roof, update a kitchen, maybe paint, do floors is probably scaring the shit out of most people, right? But if we walk them through it, simplify it, like, hey, let's jump on a Zoom call together with our contractor. Meet him. He's a great guy. You know, let's meet on site at, with one of our visits to go over the work. People start learning that, hey, this is actually pretty straightforward, you know, and, and they don't get nervous about it. And you guys are a great team. I'm, they're, uh, they're more likely to act, right? Yeah, yeah. You, Josh, I mean, kudos. Everything you've accomplished so far, it's easy for me to see. I mean, I've seen a lot of people come into this. I don't see many people coming into this doing what you're already doing. I appreciate so it. to extrapolate the, out the next three, four, five years for you is amazing. And Paul, I think you guys have, you know, you found out like a, an amazing partner. I know you guys were buddies, but I think you complement each other so beautifully here. You must be feeling grateful that he's doing what he's doing now as well. Yeah, yeah. We got so many things 
going on. And I mean, I, I, we have a lot of clients after, I don't know, 12, 13 years mm -hmm. of doing this. And uh, it's great that Josh uh, kind of already has the head for it mm -hmm. and he can handle bigger conversations with people and the transition's been very good and we're growing our business because of it. So it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm just thrilled to watch you guys. Seriously, like it's a pleasure watching you. Yeah, Josh, right. you coming into this, it's been just a pleasure watching you because we've seen a lot of people come and go and Paul, you know what I'm talking about? People get into this and they leave the business, but you've just approached it totally different. Like you're putting in the time and it shows. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I and mean, I mean, good mentors to begin with. Like I said, Paul's a friend. First and foremost, will always be that, you know, business and friendship can sometimes be tough. Right. But first and foremost, he's a friend, but he's also been a mentor along the way. Right. And if someone uh, wants to reach out to you, how do they find you? Uh, probably best way is on Instagram. So just look up my name and you'll follow me. What's your Instagram uh, handle? Can you share it with us? I now? think it's at Josh Arnett or at Arnett Josh, one of those two. Okay, so uh, if you're listening to this, we will link to Josh's yeah, Instagram. Yeah, or... Uh, What's your email address? Josh at rockstarbrokerage.com. Yeah. Or uh, I get actually a lot of uh, leads and we do a lot of content too on LinkedIn. So just look look up Josh Arnett, uh, comma, MSC. So master, that stands for Master of Science. And, you know, check me out on there. Comma, MSC, yeah, Master's yeah. of Science. Hey, you got it. Might as well... Yeah, I paid for it. I might if as well... Anyone as wants to it. know how to <laughs> dig a hole or what shovel yeah, to yeah. buy to dig a hole. Or, hey, hey, better, better is if you're digging <laughs> holes and you want to learn how to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I can help you put a process yeah, and yeah, build yeah. a business in place yeah. to get out of there. So yeah. my, prof my profile on LinkedIn says, Paul, unemployed and unemployed. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. No. No, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> but but <laughs> let me tell you a funny story of, as I know we're probably coming to the end here, you know, I actually recently heard a, a comment through you know, some of my contacts still uh, where I where I left right, and uh, it was from uh, Shit. here we go. It was from one of the higher ups in the in the corporate boardroom. They're like, man, I must have been a really bad manager or mentor uh, if one of my like, top guys left to be a real estate agent. Oh, you know, that's what they said to me. Burn, I just low, heard this, but he's right. Low, but burn. I, yeah. I just, I just heard this. There's uh, some truth there, but it's also a low blow. Yeah, I just heard this a couple of weeks ago, and you know what? I thought to myself, I was like, you know, I'm not a person that generally gets mad at anything, uh, and I was just like, you know, I could let that kind of stew yeah. and burn, and I was just like, you know what? That's just gonna motivate me that much more. Oh God! Because at the end of the day, I'm just like, you're still working that crazy corporate yeah. 14 hours a day unappreciated probably not actually no in this case not enjoying your job and oh. you know, you're saying comments like that about me and dude i hey so let's I, have i feel like saying hey buddy let's have a conversation we can talk about success and enjoyment in life you know because it's not just roi as we all talk about return on lifestyle right mm -hmm. agreed and and, and then I'll, then you could probably maybe choose your choice of words again right yeah. but that's the corporate life you're you're working in right no wonder i wanted to leave mm -hmm. that, that's what you hear every day stuff like that. And there's probably lots of cases where people are enjoying it. Right. Sure. But we all know, you know, this monetary system, mm -hmm. don't get me down a, a rabbit hole on that, but how are you going to win at the end of life? Right. Let's go buy our million dollar homes and pay them off. And then what, you know, unless you got mountains of cash to live on, that's being devalued every day. How are you going to pay your bills? Agreed. Right. Yeah. So you getting a comment like that is, yeah, that's just, but it was icing on the cake to me because it just made me actually feel good in some way that I made the right decision. Right. Cause I got out of that and I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, giving back, building business. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to deal with that shit anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, and just extrapolate right? out 10 years from today when you're 47 and 10 yeah. years from, you know, that person's future. And I'm, I'm not trying to say they're not a good person or whatever, but you, I kind of know where that ends up. So right. kudos to you, right. man. Tough decision. But uh, like I said, it wasn't all me. You know, I got a lot, 
lots of thanks from Paul yourself. I think I've told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read uh, your your bio. I think after my initial conversation that's with right. Paul, and that, I was yeah. like, holy shit! Like that's mm-hmm. literally my life, mm-hmm. right? Sitting there every day, being more and more successful in the corporate world, but hating it more and more, and you know, just figuring out how the heck do I get out of here, right? And most people wouldn't do that because they look at their paycheck and they're like, hey, I'm making great money, but what is money if you're not enjoying life and you got no life to live, right? And it's short. Yeah. It's a short time. My kids have taught me that. That's for sure. Pleasure getting to know you better, Josh. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for working with Paul and Paul for you guys being buddies. I mean, this is really wonderful to watch. We should be doing mustard shots now, right? No mustard shots. We finished (laughs) our tequila. We finished our Don Julio. Finished our Don Julio. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Hey everyone, so you can find Paul DeBruzzo and Josh Arnett. They're both here at Rockstar. Josh's Instagram is at Josh Arnett. So that's at Josh Arnett. Arnett is A-R-N-E-T-T. Or his email address is Josh at rockstarbrokerage.com. That's Josh, J-O-S-H at rockstarbrokerage.com. And if you are listening to this and you wanna dive into the world of real estate investing, but you're not sure where to start, you can come out to our free introductory real estate training class. It's about 60 minutes or so over Zoom. You can register for that at canadianrealestatetraining.com where we'll talk about all the different strategies we're using with investors today. And we stick around at the end of that class, Nick and I both do, to answer any questions that you may have. So that's at canadianrealestatetraining.com. You can find out the next date and save yourself a seat for that. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life your terms.